Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Welcome to episode 39 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in the Rack Shack today and always and forever until the end of this podcast, Charles Hedlund. How you doing today, buddy? Doing fantastic. What's happening? Oh, you know, man. Just uh, hanging out, still turkey hunting a little bit, still bass fishing a little bit, getting ready for this weekend. It's the opening day of the Chasing Tails Yakking for Bass Challenge, so I'm pretty excited about that. How about you? Yeah, I'm excited for it. I have a bachelor party that day, but it's not till noon, so I might get out in the morning. Try to get myself on the leaderboard early. That a boy. We'll get see. I don't know yet. We'll see. I might have to be you. might have to be cutting grass, considering the fact that it's literally nonstop rain for the last three days in a row. I'm never gonna get my grass mode ever again the rest of the summer as far it's, as it's going right now. It's way too wet. I mean, not just rain, torrential downpours. Yeah. I I wonder how many inches of rain we've gotten over the last three days. Well, we got like an inch and a half the other day, just the one day alone, and it hasn't stopped raining since. So. It's been intense. Yeah, it has been, man. There was I a tornado. Have water in my backyard. I can't mow or yeah. anything. There was a tornado in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, wasn't that close to us, but that's just one state over. Yeah, I mean, they're usually in Mercer's, though. Yeah. That's even closer. <laughs> that's where I was planning on heading tonight to go hunt some <clears> Turks. <throat> and on the way to Mercer, just outside the city, man, I just drove into a wall. You couldn't see. You couldn't see the road in front of you. It was raining so hard. Turned around, came all the way back. Went to a spot that I knew there was a big field that had been plowed and planted, and maybe I'd see something, and sure enough, get to the top, and there was a bird out there with a hen. Not sure what it was. I'm I'm leaning towards it might have been a jake, but it was kind of too far to, to mm-hmm. really tell. You could see he had a red head, and that was about it. Binos, kid. I had the binos. Mm. <laughs> it's a big field. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of awkward, because, I mean, I should have been able to see something, but he was, like, tucked right in on the edge of the dark woods. Oh, yeah. And it was just not an easy background to really tell what was going on. That makes it tough. Yeah, it was really hard. And then the weather picked up there. The wind started blowing like crazy. Starts raining. I mean, they were coming down. They were they were right in the script, right to me. And the the bird got kind of nervous, and he starts going back up the hill away from me. And then the hen was coming right in. She saw he was working the other way. She turned and boogied right to his right to his side. I'm like, you little. Like, <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, Dude, I was I was in it. I'm like, this is going to work. It was just too good to be true. It's what it is, man. At least I saw a bird. Yeah, I mean, you didn't say a skunk or anything. That's always a good thing. You no. got to get out? Yeah, I've been getting out a lot. You've been seeing birds? You've been getting on birds? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, man. I had my bead on a pretty little birdie head for a nice long time yesterday. <laughs> got some... Pretty cool footage. I wish I had my camera, but I didn't. Well. Unfortunately, because it would have been so cool. 
we'll get the rest of our recap on the next turkey season update the, the second part of that yeah we need to do that uh <clears throat> we have one day waiting. left we've we been got, waiting when we're recording this right now we are sitting here the night before the last day of the season mm-hmm. kind of sad it's all coming to an end it is i think i'm gonna try and get out one more time it hit me hard man i i, I hit it hard this week like or this year went out a lot yeah man so i'm I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'll get it done tomorrow. Yeah. You never know. We'll I've been see. getting on them the last three days. High five. Ooh, that was a good one. That's lefty, too. Ooh. I ain't left-handed. I is. No, no, you're not. You're a fake left-hander. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't trust lefties. Can't trust lefties. Well, well, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of tripped into this episode today. It was, I mean, didn't really have anything planned, huh? Mm-mm. We were just going to come in and BS a little bit, but... I got a random text message from somebody yesterday, and it was a guy that I had heard about from our buddy Nels over in Kansas, guy that he met and got to know a little bit, and he's like, man, you got to get this guy on the podcast. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, definitely. Well, apparently, I was taking too long, and he <laughs> wanted to expedite the uh, the experience there, and I was like, heck yeah, man, we That's got okay. nothing lined up for this week. You want to come on? Yeah, I'll come on. I was like, all right, cool. Let's do the dang thing. Let's do the dang thing. Yeah. I so. like it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a little different episode. This is someone that hunts in Kansas. You know, that's not something we're too used to. You've been you've been to Kansas? I've been to Kansas and never hunted Kansas. Yeah, you've though. never hunted Kansas. I've never hunted Kansas. It's a whole different world out there, man. That it is, my man. That the it Midwest, is. big open fields. I don't know, I'm just I'm just guessing cuz <laughs> <laughs> I've never even been in the state of Kansas. We'll figure it out. There's 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 timber and stuff in Kansas too, but there are a lot of fields and rolling plains and whatnot. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get them on. Sounds good. All right, guys. So on the phone with us today, we have Shane Myers out of Kansas, and he's with Flint Rock Precision. Shane, what's going on, buddy? Not much. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, man. How's your uh, How's your week going so far? Pretty good. It's almost Friday. Been pretty busy. It's been a real busy week. Even with Memorial Day, you know, everybody's trying to play catch up stuff. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've had some pretty poor weather up our way, too, so we're behind on everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Manhattan's actually getting rid of the flood, man. It's not good. We're, uh, Little Creek Lake's backed up to the point. They're actually writing a letter to the president and uh, requesting aid for, like, a national disaster. So wow. It's, it's just a matter of time before they have to open up the emergency gates, and I think there's going to be a lot of towns headed from us out to Missouri that are just going to spot out flood. Jeez. Oh man, that's terrible. I guess that's the trouble when your your state's completely flat. There's nowhere for the water to go. Oh man. So raining out of Kansas. We mentioned it a little bit in the uh the pregame here, a little intro that we are pretty much clueless to Kansas. I know I am. Austin's been there at least. <laughs> yeah. But we've not hunted there at all, so did you grow up in Kansas? No, actually, uh, just a little backstory about myself. I actually was born in Illinois, moved to South Carolina, became a firefighter in South Carolina, and then decided one day that I wanted to go do something bigger and better when 9-11 kicked off. So went to the military, was down at Finney for quite a while. Uh, I got hurt in 07, uh, came up here to um, Manhattan a little bit prior to that, and um, I... Uh, Went to Fort Riley, and I helped stand up the Mission Integrated Transition Team. So I was actually an instructor. It's kind of a train-to-trainer thing. We trained Army to go over and teach the 
Iraqi and Afghan special forces and police. So I taught those guys how to teach those guys uh, before I got med boarded out. Then uh, I started a construction company shortly thereafter. Got a phone call uh, from Blackwater. Uh, went to work for those guys. Worked for about five, five and a half years in Iraq and Afghanistan. Guarding some dignitaries and doing some other fun stuff with them. And then now here I am uh, running Flint Rock Precision out of Manhattan, Kansas, where I met my wife. She's from Great Bend, dead middle of the center of the state. And I've been here so 12, 13 years now. Oh, nice, man. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. We Absolutely. really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. So you went from a giant buck state, probably, from when you were growing up in Illinois, for whatever <laughs> unknown reason you went to South Carolina. I don't know what you were thinking yeah. there. <laughs> you must have been uh, looking for the the beachy weather and the nice warm sun, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you weren't doing much here, buddy. <laughs> no, no, but then you uh, you made a smart move and you found Kansas, which has, in my opinion, become one of the probably best or better states for big bucks, man. Absolutely. I mean, Iowa's still there, but Kansas, you see some brutes coming out of Kansas. You do, you know, this whole, this whole Midwest area, you know, Missouri, Iowa, Illinois, Kansas, I mean, we're all producing really good whitetails, but I really do think in the past probably 15 years, Kansas is really getting put on the map. It was kind of a little honey hole. Not a lot of people knew about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, people knew, but it's just really some big birds are coming out of here and it's becoming really popular. We're getting a lot of guys out of Texas that are buying ground up here, uh, especially where I'm at, just come up here and do nothing but hunt deer, you know. It's impressive. That's awesome, man. Well, I actually want to take it back just a little bit. How did you get started hunting, and uh, who was your influence when you started hunting? Was it your dad, your grandpa, maybe some uncles, or maybe no one hunted in your family? You know what? It's actually funny. So I grew up with a single mom. Uh, I knew my dad, you know, growing up, but he lived in Illinois, um, and he really wasn't a hunter. And uh, But I had a bunch of buddies that did, and I was like, man, they all know all this stuff. You know, I was a young teenager, and they all knew how to hunt. They hunted in South Carolina, so how great were they, right? <laughs> but I was like, man, I'm going to do it. So we were hitting rivers and streams and learning how to waterfowl hunt. You know, I thought I was this big, bad hunter, and then all of a sudden I get stationed out here at Fort Riley, and I'm like, man, I didn't know anything about hunting. <laughs> These guys out here know how to hunt. You know, my brother-in-law, both of them hunt. My father-in-law is a big hunter. My father-in-law was actually one of the first guys to help kind of bring in um, sandhill crane hunting into Kansas. Oh, um, I'm jealous, man. We have them, but we can't hunt them. Oh, they're all right? over yeah. the fields we hunt. I mean, <laughs> giant, giant flocks of them, and we cannot yeah. do anything about it. Ribeye in the sky, man. Oh. They're good, man. They're good, for sure. So, yeah, I kind of uh, I kind of came in, and you know what? I met my wife pretty early on getting here. And, you know, all of their friends were, you know, they grew up big buck hunters, are all out farmers and whatnot. I was like, well. I guess I'm gonna fake it till I make it. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, I mean, I just, man, I, I literally just started hitting the woods on my own, and I started, you know, I basically taught myself how to deer hunt, taught myself how to turkey hunt, taught myself how to do that. And I surrounded myself with good people too. I mean, I didn't teach myself everything, but surrounded myself with good people, listening to what they had to say, and you know, by no means am I an expert, but you know, I think I've, I've definitely progressed in the hunting world to where you know I take some guys out from Texas up here every now and then, and um, we've gotten pretty avid. So yeah, that's kind of my backstory. Hey, that's awesome. You're getting after it, man. I mean, yeah. you got to risk it for the biscuit, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, you guys just took like two of my punchlines right there in a row. 
<laughs> fake it till you make it and risk it for the biscuit. That's all me. <laughs> oh, that's cool though, man. And so you mentioned there that you opened up a gun shop, right, in Kansas. And uh, I did. So you know, kind of crazy. You know, there's a. I, I watched so many storefronts open up and collapse. And uh, I didn't want that to be us. And so we started up an online retail company. We're actually, so the current website that we have right now um, is actually going to get swapped out with a new one. We've been in about a three to four month website build with a company out of Colorado. But this whole thing, let me rewind for a second. This whole thing started off because I went down to Texas with these guys. We went hog hunting. And um, they introduced me to this company that does like an online raffle deal. They're like, man, you got to join this thing. And they're winning, you know, you can win big prizes and do all this stuff. I was like, well, that sounds cool. So I came back and I'm like, well, why can't we do that around here? So I basically reached out to a bunch of my buddies. I opened it up to 150 members and uh, just started hammering people on Facebook, all my buddies here locally. And uh, it was 200 bucks to join. And I was like, well, this is going to be cool, man. I'm going to give away prizes every two weeks starting June 1st. Actually, our first one's going out this Saturday. And we're going to give away guns and fishing trips and all kinds of stuff. And I get my first membership. The guy buys it, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, here we go. This is real. And so I, I started to kind of like the reality that I'm like, you know, going to be taking 200 bucks from somebody in, in hopes of being able to reward them back with a gift and hope that I get enough members to pay for all these gifts that I just promised these guys was definitely nerve-wracking. So I did this, and then as time went on, I went, well, shoot, man, how do I buy this stuff at cost to save me money? I started reaching out, and I'm, like, contacting different wholesalers, and they're like, oh, you got to be a, you know, accredited business. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to open up an online store. So I did. And to be honest with you, it just started going crazy. And one thing led to the next. And before you know it, I'm neck deep in opening up an online web store and talking to investors. And we're going to be full bore as of the end of the first week of June. We're, uh, we're going to launch with a big website. We're going to be doing a lot of SEO work and we're going to have a lot more products than what we even have right now. And so it's pretty much become a full time job and it's pretty cool. Dude, so, that is epic, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I hope it goes good, man. I keep the phone on my side at all times to take questions and, you know, I'm the customer service guy right now taking care of these people, which I think is kind of cool, right? Because, you know, you call, Brown L's right now, and you don't know who you're going to get, and if they're going to go take care of you or not. You call me, and well, I can make the decision, yes or no, and more than likely, I'm going to take care of you. So, uh. <laughs> Dude, that's a beautiful thing, though. Honestly, having good customer service is just it. It's top of the line, man. I can't tell it you is. how many times I've called people like you just said, Brown L's. I need to get something. Right. You know, they can't answer the questions, or sometimes you get somebody good, and they're and they, and they take care of you, but a majority of the time, I mean, it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah, you get Cindy in uh, the customer relations, and she has no idea what's going on, where when someone calls you, they get you directly, and you're the man. You know, you're the guy in charge, and you're the one with all the answers, and if if you don't have an answer, I mean, <laughs> nobody's going to have the answer. <laughs> I hope I have one. Right. right. If I don't, I'll get it for you. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, you're living the dream, though, a little bit, man. I, I know I've had a lot of friends around here that, you know, same thing, ex-military and gun nuts, and they've, they've been just barking about, man, we want to start a gun shop, we want to do this, and I'm like, oh, go do it, you know? What's holding you back? And you've kind of taken that leap of faith, and you're taking it to the next level, and that's, that seems I pretty cool, you, man. My wife's just so thrilled, man. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> I, got, I bet. <laughs> I got a baby, I got a second baby doing two weeks, and she's like, 
what are you thinking? And I'm like, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. And I'm going to figure it out. If I have to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and go burp the baby back to sleep and go hit the computer and do some more work and then try to get a few hours of sleep, that's what I'm going to do. So here I am. Oh, man. You thought your yeah. wife was mad before when you bought one gun. Now you're going to buy a whole <laughs> bunch of them. <laughs> oh, dude, we, we bought so many suppressors and brought them in for vlogs and to do reviews on them. And, I mean, it's just insane. She hates it. I've completely taken over an entire room in the basement. It's like a big gun vault now. <laughs> it's, it's <not. laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I hear about it weekly, man. I yeah. can only imagine, man. I'm, I'm super yeah. jealous, to be honest yeah. with you. That sounds awesome. You probably yeah. can't even get your hands on any extended magazines, huh? California's buying them all up, from what I heard. Yeah, yeah. We actually just bought, um, we bought 300, uh, 30 round mag. Yeah. Uh, here not too long ago, and we're just gonna we're gonna post them uh, online for you know we're just kind of hanging on to them because I know that things are gonna get rough, and when they do, hopefully that'll right. drive some traffic to the site is having yes. the availability of the magazines. Uh, right. So yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. So you're gonna go into every aspect of like the shooting sports, right? I mean, are you just gonna be strictly a gun dealer? Are you gonna go into apparel and all that stuff? I know you mentioned suppressors too. Yeah. So. I'm kind of a guy that was like this in the military, you know, it's like you either do it or, you know, you don't, you don't have fast, excuse my French, but you, mm-hmm. you just go all out, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, it was funny because I met with the ATF agent and when we got done meeting, he looked at me right before we left the door and he goes, well, I just want to let you know you're fighting off a lot here. So I hope you're ready because there's a lot of regulations. You're ready. You're going to have to follow immediately. And I'm like, yep. I, I hope I figure it out. So I sat and studied the books, and um, I said, you know what? If we're going to do this, we're going to be class three. Yep. We're going to be an SOT. And I didn't I didn't just get class three. I actually got class two. So we'll have the capability to manufacture suppressors, uh, manufacture machine guns. We'll be able to manufacture ammo. Uh, we'll be able to manufacture our own weapon systems, everything. So the big reason for that was is, you know, you never really know where the company's going to take us. The more that we're out there known as being able to manufacture, you know, I think the better because eventually our goal would be to go after government contracts, things of that nature, and try to provide a service to the military guys. Because, you know, that that's a place that's, you know, I spent 14 and a half years in that industry. So it's kind of close to home to me. And, you know, now that I'm not in it anymore, this is my way of kind of trying to get back into that industry. So eventually we'd like to try to get, you know, go after a lot of those contracts with ammo and guns and things of that nature. So. Dude, that's awesome, man. You actually took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you what your goals were for it, and you just kind of blew me away. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's the end. well. The end goal is is to, to build a to build a large online store that, and man, you know, people say this all the time. You know, that take care of their customers. I mean that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Look, dude, I'm like a woman when it comes to buying shoes. When it comes to buying gear online, I buy a lot of gear. If you ask any of the guys that know me, I mean, I, I'm a big I'm a big advocate. Blackwater really ruined me. Because they would always send me awesome gear. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, oh yeah. yeah. I get these big, I get these big Pelican cases full of tactical gear, and then they'd send me overseas and you know pay me too much money to go do what I was doing. And they're like, oh, and then then you know it's like, oh, well now I got all this money, I might as well go buy good stuff. So I'm buying the solo <laughs> boots and Sitka hunting gear, and, you know, buying. All, and now it's like, well, I can't go back. So <laughs> yeah. I'm big on customer service, right? Like I'm big on, hey, take care of me. I'm spending a lot of money with you. Take care of me. Uh, I'm not asking you to give me free stuff, but. If I call you and let you know, hey, man, I got this issue with this product, don't tell me, hey, man, yeah, it's been 31 days, though, sorry. You know, yeah. our, 30, our return policy is 30 days. I mean, take care of a guy uh, or a girl, right? Um, 
And so that's my thing is I want people to be taken care of and I want them to truly be given a good customer service. That's going to be a huge thing for me because ultimately the customer is what keeps you going, right? No, so, I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to be doing everything online then. You don't have any goals in the future to open up like an actual physical shop or anything in your area. I think area. we'll do a warehouse down the road okay. uh, with a small storefront. Okay. There's no regulations but, that you have to have anything on site as know, far as like holding or keeping these possessing. Okay. No, I have to spend a certain amount with some of these wholesalers. You know, we have some regulations with them, but as far as uh storefront, no. But there is a lot of them that do require it. Uh, yeah. Certain ones do require that, you know, to bring in Sitka gear and things of that nature. But to be honest with you right now, that's not really our goal is to bring in, you know, your Sitka, QU and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, eventually we'll have a warehouse, I'm sure. And then we will do a small storefront on that warehouse. Okay. What about like a manufacturing facility? Because you did mention that you went for the class two so that you can manufacture suppressors. How's that going to go? You know, I'm going to see how it goes. We actually got a relationship right now with uh silencer shop. Oh yeah, dude. You going to be a power dealer? Yeah. So we're a power dealer for them. But so, you know, there's a, you know, it's a link that goes to their website and it allows people, anybody that goes online, if they use our link to go on there, then we actually can set the prices for you. So it's kind of cool where Silencer Shop, if you say, they're going to say, well, who's your dealer? And if you say, well, Flint Rock Precision is my dealer, they're going to pull up my pricing on their website. So it's actually kind of cool. We have our own pressers online that are priced at a certain price, but we actually get to set our own pricing on Silencer Shop's website, which is really pretty neat. I mean, on their end, good way to capture the market and keep dealers interacted versus having them go off on their own, right? Absolutely. So, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what I want to manufacture yet. If you really want to know the truth, but whatever it is, I want to know that I'm going to be good at it. So we looked at doing some optics. We looked at doing some suppressors and I think it's going to be somewhere in that field. We're definitely going to do some AR-15 lowers, things of that nature, some floor ends and some uppers. But as far as like getting outside of that realm, I don't want to get caught up in the assault rifle realm to where we're strictly circled around that because we don't know what's going to happen with the election tomorrow, right? And we put all our eggs in one basket, and we get some whack job in the office. Well, now all of a sudden, I don't have a business. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to strictly focus on that. I would like to definitely get into the optics or the suppressor market, one or the other. But we want to do it right, so it's not going to happen overnight. We're probably a few years away. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. That's, honestly, it's smart thinking. I mean, you have to look in the head. Hindsight's twenty twenty, man. You know, don't, like you said, don't put all your eggs in one basket and just, yeah, keep rolling, man. Start slow and work your way up, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, are you using any of your own products when you go out and start shooting hogs in Texas or what? Oh, yeah. We actually just got back here. Oh, man. We got back like two weeks, week and a half, two weeks ago. We went down there for four days, got a couple of buddies. We actually, we take off from Manhattan and we head down to Hugo, Oklahoma. And we get down there the first night and we meet up with Sayeth as he pronounces it. And um, it's Seth and Coon are the two guys that take us down there. These guys are freaking awesome, man. So we show up, and we got rooftop tents on our trucks and, you know, camper shells. And these guys bring, like, I mean, they're bringing ribeyes and potatoes and eggs. I mean, man, they're cooking you, like, a fine dining meal out in the middle of nowhere in Hugo, Oklahoma. Oh, um, it's awesome. They just cater to you. But they're just some buddies of ours. And, so we go down there. We got about 380 acres down there that we go hunt on. We hammered some hogs that first night. And then the next night, we took off in about an hour and 15 minutes south. 
down to uh, Mount Pleasant, Texas, and we went out to Seth's property out there, and Coon and his family's got some property. I don't know what the total acreage is, but we went out there and hammered some more hogs, my buddy and I did, and just had an absolute blast. So we took all of our suppressors down there. We tested out. Let's see, which one did we test out? Uh, we tested out the Griffin Armament Optimus. Nice. So we took that one down there in modular can, and we were able to run that on a 300 blackout with a <laughs> 10 and a half inch barrel. It was like a 10.3 inch barrel. Beautiful. And it was awesome, man. We hammered. The first night I had this hog come in, I was running one of those ATN thermals. Yeah, man. And uh hogs come in, there's probably 15 of them or so. And so I looked at my buddy, and we just basically did a 3-2-1, and we shot. And the hogs scurried off for a minute and came right back and started eating. <laughs> oh, dude, that, there's nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, we were shooting subsonic. Uh, you shooting 220s? 70. Yeah, 220, yeah. Nice, man. And so, you know, it was... Yeah, it was good. So they came back and scurried for a minute. And so then we ended up dropping one more. But yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. We, uh, we had a good time. Good time. Took out all that stuff. And the guys from Texas were like, man, I tell you what, we're going to have to get some of them suppressors down here. They like, <laughs> yeah. they like having those suppressors out there. <laughs> yeah, man, you better believe it, especially with that 300 blackout. They're freaking so quiet, man. Oh, and they're fun, dude. They're just a fun gun to shoot. I agree, man. That's what I run a lot of the time. I built one uh, about three years ago, and it's it's been a blast. Yeah, yeah. Are you running a can on it? No, not currently. I have the paperwork going through right now, so I'm waiting. Gotcha. Very yeah, cool. yeah. I'm looking at a uh, AAC SDN six. I'm thinking. I actually, I have one that'll be here tomorrow. No kidding. Yep. Yep. Well, they're running a special. Their uh, silencer shops actually running a special on those right now. You can buy that, and then for like a hundred bucks, you can get the uh, twenty-two caliber can from AAC. Sweet man, so, I can dig that. Yeah, so we got both of those coming in. I got a guy that's gonna come and look at it. I think he's probably gonna buy it. He's gonna throw the twenty-two can on for his uh, son's little twenty-two. These guys, little Ruger twenty-two, like AR fifteen. Yeah, man, it's not an AR fifteen, but you know the yeah. little SR twenty-twos or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, fun little plinking guns there, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can shoot for cheap all day. Kids, you, know, you, you know, you throw a can on a gun for a kid, it doesn't scare him, still teaches him how to shoot. So, that's yeah. kind of his mentality. He's like, yeah, I just want to throw it on there, it won't freak him out initially, because he's only four, so he wants to oh, put wow. it on there and let him, let him plink around with it a little bit while he lays next to him, so. Dude, that's awesome. Get him started young, man. Absolutely. The yeah. biggest thing is just to get him comfortable with a scope and, you know, like you said, not afraid of, like, the muzzle blast or anything. Twenty twos don't have any recoil, so it's a perfect gun. You know, really break a kid in on. You know, get them sure. comfortable, get them shooting. It's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Well, let's get into a little bit of hunting Kansas, man. Yeah. How was your was season fun. last year? It was, uh, it was good. It's actually funny, man. We got out, uh, we got out for archery season and, uh, archery season was just kind of a dud this year. We had a really weird winter. So then we transitioned over into rifle season. And I called up a buddy of mine. I'm like, hey, dude, you want to go out? I'm going to go try to go kill a deer. And he's like, yeah, let's go. So we jumped in this truck. I bought this old 1985 Toyota pickup just to go beat up on these back mud roads. Yeah, man. And uh, we jumped in this thing, and we're beating around on some roads. And all of a sudden, I'm coming up on the property that we hunt. And I look down the fence road, and I see a buck down there. So I glassed him real quick. And I'm like, I said, Nick, we got a buck down here on this fence road. And he's like, well, let's go stalk him. I was like, all right. So we shoot down this mud road. I mean, it was a mud road. It was bad. We're barreling down this thing, and the buck takes off and runs into the woods, and there's a little creek bed that runs through there, and uh 
So we went to the north side of that creek bed. Well, he was on the south side initially. So we got over there, and my gut told me, I said, dude, I don't think this, I don't think we spooked him bad enough that he's going to jump that creek. I said, I think we need to move back around on the east side of the shelter belt and get down there and, and stalk him up, you know, on the south end, and I bet he'll come back out. Man, it was no more than two minutes of us getting on the south end of that shelter belt. Here he comes walking back out. <laughs> but he's in some real thick brush, a bunch of tall CRP on the edge of the trees. The field was cut Milo, but he had real, it was real tall grass. I could just see his antlers moving around in there. All of a sudden he steps out right in front of me. And I didn't realize it was that close. And he steps out and he's 30 yards away from me. And I got a six five when I was actually shooting with my rifle. And I shoot this deer and my buddy's about 30 yards behind me. And as soon as I pull the trigger, he goes, dude, he's got a half a rack. And I was like, no! <laughs> and he, and he kind of jogs off a little bit and falls straight over. Oh, and, man. Oh, oh, I was so bummed. I get over there and, uh, you know, everybody's got their theory. Guys were saying he'd been a 170s if he'd had his other half. His brow tines were just massive. I mean, his, one of his brow tines was probably, I bet it was 12 inches. And then he had a small, like, weird, like, kicker come off the bottom, like a little drop tine. I mean, he was just a beast. But he only had half of it, so. <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, I feel you on that. Like, probably four, I think it was five years ago, actually. I shot a buck. It was, like, last light, and I saw him, and he was a great buck. And I, I shot him with my bow at, like, 17 yards. I mean, I could almost not see him. It was almost, like, last, last light. And just absolutely smoked him. He ran 70 yards and fell over. And I got up to him, and he had broke off his other side. So it's just a brow tine and half of his main beam. And a big old five-point side on the other. And I was like, oh, man. So yeah. I feel you, buddy. I was I was really bummed at first. It was funny. I was like, man, I'm so bummed that I shot the deer, you know, this and that. And then all my buddies were like, dude, I think he's kind of cool. And I was like, well, coming from the guy that didn't use his tag on him, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, dude, there's a lot bigger deer out here, man. I just smoked a monster and had him hanging on my wall. Now I got a Euro mount in my back gun room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's a Euro mount just chilling out here in the rack shack, man. <laughs> yeah. The one I shot, no. the one I shot last year, last fall, was uh, same thing. He had six to one side, and the other side was broken off just past the G two. So he was technically a nine point with six on one side, a little split, split brow, and then the other side of the brow time the G two and the main beam. And I just got a call yesterday from the taxidermist that his Skull mount's done. There you go. So I gotta go pick it up. Nice. Nice. Yeah, biggest buck I've ever seen in my life was a half rack, man. And I ain't gonna lie to you, if he would have come in close enough, <laughs> he was going down. He might have taken you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was going down. Deer don't get that big around here. And he was, he was unreal. Oh, so. Man. You it, know, I look back on it and it is kind of cool. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a story, right? I mean, oh, I mean yeah, if man, you I think about it, you, well, you, that's what this is all about, right? Yeah, yeah, and you really, you still killed a, a nice, mature buck. Regardless yeah, of whether he had one stuff. antler or two, you, you still beat him at his game, you know, and that's right. something to look back at and be proud of. Sure, yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, it's all about storytelling, right? I mean, absolutely. Got, got something to talk about. I mean, I could just look up at the wall and be like, yeah, that's that six-pointer shot. <laughs> and everything's like, cool. Yeah, um, man. Right? <laughs> That's what we're all about, man, hearing those stories. And that was a pretty good one, man. I mean, were you saying that you don't know what you're doing with hunting? That gut feeling paid off pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> you know, I just, 
common sense, man. I think we can get a long way to common sense. I, I can agree with that, man. I think too many people lack common sense. Yeah, I know too many of those people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But now that's what's cool. A big, what's a big deer out your guys' way, if you mind me asking? Um, about, well, let's say. So a really, really good deer around here is probably 140 inches. You okay. can get into some bigger ones. I mean, every year you see people shoot 160s. Every once in a while you see like 170, 180s. And then I guess our state record is actually like a 234. So non-typical. I think you guys just get a lot of hunters out there though, don't you? Man, it is absolutely ridiculous. Our <laughs> rifle season, basically, if you took our state and put it against like Wisconsin or New York or Michigan, all those other ones, let's say those four states combined, we're bigger than any army in the world. So <laughs> there's just a ton of freaking people out, man. So pretty much every deer gets shot and you're starting over every year. But our antler restrictions have definitely paid off. So some of yeah. the younger deer make it and they turn into slobs and some of the smarter deer stick around and that's when you get those bigger ones. But for the most part, if you're shooting a good deer, you're shooting 120, 130 inch deer, and a really good deer, you're shooting 140 inch. Yeah, I would say just Pope and Young would be your your typical good deer. Yep. You know, in our area, um, we live yep. in a real good trophy area as well. So we we do get a little spoiled being close to the Ohio border. We do get some pretty good deer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm still waiting for for uh, Nels's brother to get mine back to me. Uh, he's had it, and uh, I can't wait to get a measuring tape on it just to, just to know, yeah. just to you know get another a good idea of what I'm looking at if I see something in the in the in the woods. So yeah, yeah, we has have Nell's an idea. Well, done a deer for you? What's that? Has Nell's brother done a deer for you yet? He is. Uh, this is the first one. He did my brother's, my younger brother's deer oh, two years ago, and it turned out amazing. I mean, he does phenomenal work, and he actually has my biggest buck and then my younger brother shot a really good buck that year as well and he has it so gotcha yeah yeah it's funny so my let's see not this last year but the year prior um so blake styler was a defensive coordinator for kansas state university which was nell's brother-in-law yeah yeah and that's kind of how i got to know nell was through blake and inga um mm-hmm. and so it was funny when i shot this one inga's like you totally need to get my brother to mount to do your mount he does awesome work I'm like, Inga, he's all the way out PA. And she's like, we're going to make this work, dude. I was like, <laughs> all right, you let me know how we're going to do it. So she's like, okay, my aunt's coming through. She calls me a little while later. She's like, my aunt's coming through on this date. She's like, so she's going to take the head to him. And she goes, but he wants you to mail the hide off. Or he, she, they're going to take the rack to him. And he wants you to mail the hide to the tannery. So I mail the hide off to the tannery. His aunt, her aunt and uncle come through. They pick up the rack coming from Colorado, take it to Pennsylvania, drop it off to them. And then they're coming to go on an elk hunt in Colorado in, what was it, July of this year? Or last year. Last year in July. Yeah. Yep. And there's sometime in that, I don't remember when it was, August. But um, <laughs> they're coming through, so they stopped in and dropped it off to me. But they were, they were going to bring it back when West Virginia played K-State for the first home game on the Kansas State semi with all the gear. And I'm like, Inga, you guys are getting out of control, but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they're awesome people. I'll tell you what, and he does do really good work. So you, you have gotten yours back since then, oh, you said? Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, his attention to detail is far none. I mean, and we keep, I keep harassing him to get him on the podcast, man, but 
his schedule is just ridiculous. And every time we're like, get your butt on this podcast. I can't wait to talk to him, pick his brain, and really just just get him talking because I know he does a lot of hunting as well. You know, and oh, some, yeah. some crazy species. You know, he's been all over the world. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a good, he's a good, good dude. I mean, yep. really all that family is. They raise the, they raise them all well. So. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Shout out to Nails. What's up, brother? <laughs> Nails Bells. He was just in, actually. He was just in uh, this past weekend, and we got to see yeah. him and hang out with him a little bit, drink some beers. So it was good. Go. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, back to hunting. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Kansas, man, uh, is there a lot of public land in Kansas? Oh, like, Is there a lot yeah, near it's you? Like, it's like 300,000 public lands in Can- like public hunting ground in Kansas. Okay. But then there's like a million acres of like, it's like Weehawk, so farmers will lease out the ground, um, cause it's not good for anything, mm-hmm. you know. And some of it'll have some farm ground on it, but the state will pay them a little bit of money to open it up for Weehawk. So they've got state owned ground and then they've got Weehawk ground, which has different, different, uh, hunting periods. But so yeah, I mean, about 1.3 million. And I'm sure there's somebody that would, you know, challenge me on that, maybe give me a different number, but that's a pretty, pretty close number. To what we've got out here, but that's awesome, man. That actually sounds kind of similar to our uh, hunter access program here in PA. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of farmers get paid, and they open up their ground to allow hunting and fishing and trapping and all that fun stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. So right where I'm at, Tuttle Creek uh, Lake, we've got about twelve thousand acres around Tuttle, and then I, I wish I could tell you, but Milford's got, I think Milford's got quite a bit more. It's about thirty minutes west. I'm wanting to say there's like 25,000 public hunting, you know, acres over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, right here, I mean, within 30 minutes of me, I've got 40,000 acres. I can go hunt whenever I want, as can everybody else. But it's still, I mean, it's just awesome. Dude, that's, so. that's pretty neat. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and what's yeah. nice is... I killed a 170 off of public last year. I mean, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was just going to get into it. Like, what's nice about your public land is you don't have the general population like we do, and not everyone's all crammed up against each other and fighting for the same spots. But I'm sure you can get, like you just mentioned, big, big deer on public land. You can. Yeah. And, you know, we got Fort Riley right here, too. And Fort Riley's got some really good hunting. Um, You know, they do. So don't spread this podcast too much. We don't need, like, money. (laughs) Coming to visit next thing, next thing you know, we're going to be PA. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I got an uncle and a cousin that hunt down there probably. Yeah, I'd say every other year they go down from PA and they always shoot really nice deer, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, Port Riley's awesome. We got elk out there, too. Do you? We yeah. have elk here in Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. We actually oh, have yeah. pretty, uh pretty substantial elk herd and some really big bulls. We were actually at the uh, Great American Outdoor Show this year. And a guy had one mounted that he actually found the sheds. It was from PA, and I think it was 476 inches or something like that. A really impressive bull. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was large. Yeah. But I, I do remember hearing they've introduced the elk herd to Kansas in parts. What, northern Kansas, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. Northern, north kind of, mm, just east of central, but then north. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. They just extended our tags and everything for elk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they opened up a whole new season, and yeah. they did a different tag allotment this year. It's going to be pretty fun. I always put in, but I never draw, so I got a million preference points. I'm just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been I haven't been drawn because I haven't put in. 
Well, you can't you can't kill an elk if you don't put in for it, bro. I know, and my I should because my dad got drew. He, he's got drawn the one year, and uh, he was able to kill a cow elk with his bow. That was really cool. We had we had elk meat for a long time. Oh yeah, it's so good too. Oh my goodness, phenomenal. So you okay. mentioned Fort Riley hunting. Is that um is that open to the public or is that on a lottery system or oh it's from the public? Yeah, so it's federal. So to hunt Fort Riley would just be like. You have to have, I mean, you have to have a couple different licenses. So you've got to have your um, state license, right? So for whatever zone you're wanting to hunt in, which Fort Riley's in a certain zone, then you have to get and go to Fort Riley and apply for a uh, Fort Riley hunting access permit. Mm-hmm. So then you get a, yeah. So it's not as hard as it sounds. It's really not. You just got to contact those guys there, their uh, wildlife office on Fort Riley, and they'll tell you how to do it all. It's all online too, but. Yeah, so it, it's you do have to draw for the zone, so you go for whatever zone Fort Riley's in, from my understanding. Um, you know, when you live in-state, you don't even know a lot of your own. Funny, those guys from Texas are like, oh, yeah, man, you got to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. I didn't know you had to do any of that. Way easier for us to live here, you know? So, oh, man. Uh, but from my understanding, you do have to apply for the zone in Fort Riley. And then you do have to get a hunter's access permit, which is like anybody for Fort Riley. So um, it's not too difficult. We do get a lot of guys that will come out of state and they'll hunt. And they've got antler restrictions, too. So helps keep the deer management what good and the elk herd growing. And so, yeah. No, that sounds awesome, man. All right, I got a question yeah. for you then. So for a couple guys like us that live up here in Pennsylvania, and we hunt mostly big, big timber, rolling hills. I mean, there's some ag country that we hunt as well. But what would you say would be like your number one tip for us to quickly adapt to the land and get ahead of the curve on trying to hunt whitetail in Kansas. Be willing to walk. Okay. Okay. I'm down for that. So is it yeah, more I mean, like a spot and stock type hunting that you do, or is it just get away you know, from I think, I people think, in you know, Some people, and this is just, you know, I think everybody hunts for different reasons, right? Like, you know, some guys that love spot and stalking might hate sitting in a tree stand all day and vice versa. So, you know, I say that if you're going to do it, you can do any type of hunting you want in Kansas and be successful. You can go sit in a tree stand if you want, or you can go spot and stalk. I do not encourage night hunting with night vision, but, uh, uh <laughs> you know. check your regulations. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you could pretty much do whatever and be successful in Kansas. The key though in Kansas is you have to remember that I mean, we're like a grid system here, right? So a lot of things are a mile by a mile by a mile, and you don't always own the same mile. So it's a, it's a lot of like, okay, we've got to park up by this section, walk around to this section, and then we're just going to sit, you know, in a tree stand here or in a ground blind or whatever. And we may actually have a lot less walking than you guys. You know, it's always it's always funny when, you know, I think, oh, we got to do a bunch of walking here, and you guys are like, yeah, right, dude. Let me show you what we do in PA, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, what we think might be a lot of walking might not be to you guys, but you just got to walk. I mean, you don't obviously keep your truck out of sight, out of mind. Uh, everything's wide open out here. Yeah, so, that makes sense. You got to get away from the truck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when you're, you know, when you're getting out, you know, in the morning and the wind's blowing 30 mile an hour, that's what it does in Kansas, right into your, you know, your tree stand. Well, now you got to go to the complete other end and walk off. It's just, you know, you got to be willing to walk, park your truck and, and just kind of, separate yourself from that. A lot of guys are like, oh, I just want to go the east way and park close and walk into my tree stand and my truck's 50 yards away from my tree stand and everything's good, right? Well, yeah, you can have success that way, but 
let's let's just face the fact, let's maximize our success and park our truck, you know, 400 yards down the road, 500 yards down the road around another section, and let's walk, you know, a completely different direction. You know, whatever, right? I'm kind of beating around the bush here, but yeah, just be willing to walk. I mean, it's, it's open ground out there. They're going to see you. Uh, don't try to get out of your tree stand before the sun goes down and walk across the middle of the cornfield because there's probably deer out there that are seeing you and you're going to spook them. Oh, yeah. No, that's solid advice, honestly, man. And, you know, you so. saying you got to get up and walk and don't be lazy and don't hunt right next to the truck, you're already light years ahead of most of the people, not only in Kansas, but in Pennsylvania, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have terrain, though, so you can get, like, 50 yards and not see your truck still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of my point, right? I mean, like, you know, you can park over a lot of hills in certain places. In Kansas, you can do that, too. I mean, there's certain areas, right? I mean, there, there's pieces of terrain that are, I mean, Kansas is not all the same across the board, but a lot of the areas I hunt are wide open with not a whole lot of trees. Right. And so, it does. It makes it difficult to get into a stand, you know? Uh, we actually do a lot of stuff where guys will drop you off. And then they'll go bail out with the truck because, yeah, I mean, you might have to walk forever just to get to your stand. And then you're walking forever. Well, the more you're out in the wide open, the more they can see you. So it is it's tricky. I mean, that's the hard part about hunting camps, especially in the wide open areas. So I guess in a roundabout way, you gave two answers because, you, you know, you have to walk a lot. But at the same time, you have to pay attention to your access, you know, your right. entry and your exit. So Absolutely. And, and I think we're used to that as well, especially the walking factor. You get on some of our public land, and everybody wants to do that. I mean, I I think really you just have to bust that like two hundred and fifty yard bubble. But there's sometimes we go back a mile, you know, almost two miles into some spots just to kind of really get away from people and get away from that same open timber terrain and kind of get some diversity and really get into the areas that are going to create the larger deer, you know, or the sure. better bucks. So. You want, you know, I, I, I tell guys, I'm not afraid. I mean, I want everybody to be successful. I don't care if you're from out of state or in state, right? Right. Um, but what, what I have found from my experiences and from other people's stories is, if you're going to come to Kansas and you're going to have public ground, and a lot of this just come across when I tell you this, if I, you're going, well, that's common sense, right? Go find your plot map, look at your public ground, and go find you those little itty bitty specks. They're like a dot, right? It's like a little, you know, a little quarter section of ground surrounded by, you know, 15 miles of any direction, not a single other piece of public hunting ground. Because you go hunt that because nobody else does. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more honestly with you. Right. So everybody else is going to go, well, look at this big ass section over here. Look at all these draws and rivers and creek beds and blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be like, I don't want to go hunt that. And then you're going to go over there and there's going to be 15 other hunters. <laughs> yeah, man. Right? I mean, yeah. nobody wants to go to the spec out in the middle of nowhere because either they're A, too lazy to go drive out and see if it's any good, or B, they think just because it's small, it's not good. But, you know, a wise man once told me, don't spend a bunch of money on the ground. Buy yourself a small piece surrounded by good ground. Dude, that is like super baller <laughs> advice. Right? <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can think of even some spots like we hunt. You know, it's a little piece of either private that we have permission on or a little tiny corner of the public, like way back in, but it's in the middle of like the most prime private land that only maybe has access to a couple hunters on this huge piece. And you're like right up against it. Yeah. It's some of the best places we hunt. Yeah. I feel like last fall, I kind of harped on a little bit more than I probably should have had on here. But I mean, just overlook spots in general. Go on. Look at those places that you wouldn't think anybody might hunt. It might be a 10-acre piece, but 10 acres is plenty big enough for you to kill a deer on. 
Mm-hmm. You know who else mentioned that was when we had the Whitetail Legacy podcast on? Mm-hmm. Those guys were saying the same thing, you know, in Illinois even, that they look at the ground that nobody wants to put the effort towards hunting, and they ask permission for that property because they know that's where all the deer are going to be, the bigger, you know, most mature bucks that know there's no pressure there for a reason. Yep. You know. you know, I don't know how much publicity there is to this, but it was funny. The guy that I hunted ground, his wife was telling me one day, she goes, well, I asked her, she actually was a deer hunter. And I said, Vera, are you going to get out and do some deer hunting? She goes, she goes, Shane, she goes, before my dad died, she goes, I always promised him I'd never go out deer hunting except for the very last day of rifle season. And if we killed a deer, we killed a deer. And if we didn't, we didn't. She said, but my dad always said that was the best time to kill a big deer. And I said, what? She goes, Oh, yeah. She said, my dad always said there's a bunch of jackasses that hunt around us, so let's all push them onto our property, and we'll kill them on the last day. Dude, that is the (laughs) smartest shit I've ever heard. As you were saying it, I'm like, this makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) I started laughing. I was like, I go, well, does it work out? And she goes, yeah, I usually kill a big buck every year. And I go, well, then just keep doing it. You only got to hunt one day a year. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. It's just funny. I thought it was hilarious. Listen to those old farm women and, you know, farm guys and their little theories behind stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. See, uh, that's, that's one thing that attracts me about the Midwest. And, you know, I'm, I'm imagining Kansas being a lot like Southern Illinois and areas that I've actually been to where it just, man, it takes you back to the roots of people that are just so genuine and kind and they go out of their way to do anything for you. And oh, yeah. like it, we, it's not like that around here, man. We live in a whole different world and it's just like people are ignorant. You know, nobody wants to help anybody out. Every once in a while we find those good old boys and you know, that we obviously attract to one another and those are the kind of guys we hang out with and the kind of guys we hunt with. But the general pro- population up here is just nothing like it is in the Midwest. That's nothing. It, it is. It really is. And that's one thing I miss about our Illinois trip we used to take. You know, you go there and it's like reversing the clock back 30 years. You know, I haven't even been on there yeah. 30 years, but it's been close. <laughs> 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 but you can relate yeah. to like just old movies and stuff like that, man. The old West. And it's, it's really neat. Yeah. yeah. Something I'd like to experience. Now, Kansas is, it's great. I mean, it really is. It's a great state. I remember when I first was coming here, you know, I, I grew up a little bit every summer in Illinois going to see my dad, uh, growing up. Illinois and Iowa, he was a manager for co-op growing up. So I'd go back there with those guys, and I'd go hunt, you know, with some of the guys that worked at the co-op with him a little bit growing up. And I remember when they said, hey, by the way, you're going to be stationed out at uh, Fort Riley. And I go, I'm on the phone with Big Army, and I go, where's uh, where's Fort Riley? And they're like, that's in Kansas. And I go, where the fuck is Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> and the lady on the phone just started laughing, you know. <laughs> So I immediately, you know, back, I say back then, like, this was so long ago, right? Like, my phone didn't have, like, Google Maps on it. You know, I used MapQuest to get here. Oh, yeah, man. Printed out the directions, right? But, um, (laughs) and so, I I remember, I I go online, I'm looking up, I'm like, Kansas. I'm like, oh, man, that's not far from my dad. This is going to be great. You know, like, how did I go, like, 21 years, I didn't know how Kansas is at. But now, (laughs) now I'm like. I won't leave, right? I absolutely love it. We're going to retire here. The people are great. Uh, the economy is great. I mean, we've got all the public hunting we want, public fishing. Uh, I, it's just, it's just awesome. We just got, we got, yeah, it's just a great state all around. That's awesome, man. And I'm going to add one more thing to that. Hopefully very soon, a very booming business. That's I right? hope so. I do. I really do. <laughs> I hope so, man. 
Oh man, uh, I'm rooting for you, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you guys need guns, ammo, uh, suppressors. You guys need help, advice, whatever. I don't care. Just call me up. I'll, I'll provide all the free advice. I just, I like talking about that kind of stuff. So yeah, if anybody just gets, get on there, if you go to contact us, got my phone number right there. You can call me up directly and I'll, I'll answer any questions you have. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, I asked you before the podcast to do a little bit of, a little bit of brainstorming. What was your favorite hunting story of all time? Alright, so, and actually, I was just there for this hunting story. So, this was last year, we made it a yearly trip, it was in the fall, uh, we went down to Texas again, to go hunting, and, um, I took my buddy Brian Roman with me. So, Brian and Coon, they're, they decided they're gonna get in a truck and they're gonna drive 45 minutes south, and Seth and I, are going to stay up at the the cabin. Actually, can I rewind for a second? I absolutely. Want to story it's absolutely just hysterical. So the first night we get to Hugo, Oklahoma, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like I'm exaggerating these guys' accents. I promise you, I am not exaggerating their accents one bit. <laughs> Actually, get on get on YouTube and type in Flint Rock Precision, and you'll see Seth on a video. And when he starts talking about a chicken neck, you'll hear his accent. I mean, it is. It is absolutely hysterical. So, dude, I just want to stop you for one second. I watched yeah. that video earlier today. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> that is absolutely right. He's down with shaggy hair doing some Indian leg wrestling or whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a trip. So we get down here the first night, and he goes, "All right, fellas," he said. "Well, y'all go to sleep. I'm just gonna let you know. I'm gonna wake you up." If these hogs come out on these cameras, he's got those, you know, those cameras that text you, right? Oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, he goes, they come out. He goes, we're going to get up. We're going to bust them. <laughs> I was like, all right, sounds good. So we're all half lit, you know. And we end up passing out. Well, the next morning we get up and Seth shoes on cigars that are going out of style. So he's got a cigar hanging out of his mouth. He's leaned up against his pickup and he's looking at his phone. And Coon looks over at him and goes, Seth, them hogs were hitting that camera, weren't they? And he goes, yeah, man. And he go- Coon goes, Seth, you're not drinking any hot toddies tonight. He goes, we need you to focus. We're out to kill hogs. <laughs> All right. So a hot toddy is where they mix their bourbon with something. That's what they call it. So we get up to the cabin. Brian, Romy, and Coon take off 45 minutes south. We're hanging out at the cabin. Sun starts to go down. Seth's pulling straight from a bottle of Evan Williams honey. <laughs> tipping, tipping it back, man. So we're out there. Long story short, hog comes in. I smoke this, this, uh, this big sow. Uh, we go out there, we find it, we call up Coon. We're like, he's like, yep, we got one. So we decided to take off. We, we had kind of boogered him up where we were at. So we decided to take off and head south to go meet those guys because they had a lot more ground down there. So we get down there and Cody goes, fellas, you're not going to believe what the hell Romy just did. We're like, what's that? He goes, man, he was looking through my sight. And he goes, and it was like a full moon, so it was pretty bright out. And he goes, he's looking through my sight, he sees these hogs, and he shoots one, and he goes, and he jumps up, and he's like, man, I think I got him. And he hears it squealing, so he takes off running after this hog, and he goes, and he pulls out his forty-five, his 1911, and he goes, but he had wounded another one, and it's running up this hill, and he goes, and all I can see is a muzzle flash of his forty-five, just boom, 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 and he goes, I got him, I got him, and Coon's like, oh my god, you just killed a wild hog with your forty-five. <laughs> Dude, that's beautiful, man. 
<laughs> yeah, so this year, we're out checking trail camp. <laughs> and there is no shit. We have the picture. I hope Brian doesn't hear this podcast, but I gotta tell you guys. So, Tuna's gonna get this picture framed. He hasn't pulled the SD card on that camera since last year, and it's got a picture of Romy running like Rambo with his 45 right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Dude, that's freaking awesome, man. Oh, yeah. So, he's gonna get it blown up. And <laughs> oh, man. Sounds a lot like Joey. That sounds a lot like Joey. Yeah. I can see my younger brother doing something just like that. Actually, I've probably seen him doing something. Remember the time? <laughs> We're rabbit hunting this one time. I gotta tell this dude, story, do it, dude. Do it. We're rabbit hunting one time. It's, it's Austin, myself, our buddy Anthony. It's been on a bunch of podcasts and Joe. He's been on a bunch of podcasts with us and we're out hunting and we set him up on this like raised kind of, uh, pathway. It's like an old the- railroad bed. Yeah, exactly. And he's up there and. We're kicking down through the bottom, and we got the beagle going, and all of a sudden she just starts barking off, and the rabbit starts running towards him, and we hear him shoot with his shotgun, and then he shoots again with his shotgun, and then a third time, and then all of a sudden he drops the shotgun, he's got his 410 pistol on his, on his waistband, he pulls it, and he starts running after this rabbit, and he's <laughs> shooting at it, unloading his pistol at the rabbit with his 410s. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's absolute madness. The kid's just a maniac. Oh, dude, I love that story. And honestly, oh, I had a different perspective from it. I was sitting there and I heard the three shotgun blasts go off, and then it just kept going. <laughs> and I was like, "How many rounds does he have in that gun?" It just kept boom, 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 boom. Oh man, I was dying. <laughs> I don't know if I should admit this on the podcast. I'm probably going to have like a federal game warden or state game warden show up at my house and arrest me tomorrow. But <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I got to tell you one really fast story. So as you guys, I, I told you, you know, for the podcast, I was in the military for nine years and, you know, worked for Blackwater for about five and a half. And I, uh, my father-in-law feels like I've got enough experience, uh, to know the difference between good guy and bad guy. Right. So yep. I didn't grow up as a honey. It just wasn't something I grew up doing. So I meet my wife, you know, and they're all big upland bird hunters. And so they're like, hey, Shane, you want to go pheasant hunting? And I'm like, well, yeah. You know, and I remember I told you, you fake it till you make it, right? Well, I was faking it. <laughs> so I got out there. By no means did I tell these guys that I'd ever been pheasant hunting, but I didn't act like I hadn't ever been either. So we get out in the field and we're walking and I knew what a pheasant looked like. I knew what it sounded like when it got up. So here it goes. Woo! Bird gets up in front of me and I shoot. It's a hen. Oh, no. So I shoot this hen, right? And I'm like, and my father-in-law's like, that was a hen. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so we, keep, we keep walking, you know? And, you know, I think it takes a little bit of time to get used to, like, looking at your hens and your roosters. You know, some people are probably criticize me for this and go, no way, man. It's easy, right? Well, it is now, right? Like, I mean, I can do it in the blink of an eye. But the next bird that gets up is a hen. And my father-in-law immediately just goes, civilian. <laughs> so now this day when they're hitting the in front of me they all start yelling civilian dude that that's is genius like, that's so perfect man I feel oh, like yeah. I don't want to steal that from you but I feel like I'm going to steal that from you <laughs> yeah so ever since that day man that's, that's the new running joke every year that we go pheasant hunting for the past 12 years dude that is that is so funny man I love that <laughs> Yeah, 
Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that one. That's yeah, good. I do too. Oh, I got a little tear coming out of my <laughs> eye right now. That was good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we're getting close to time here. Do you want to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find Flit Rock Precision, all that fun stuff, social media, phone numbers, or whatever you want to throw out there? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're pretty simple. You just go to www.flintrockprecision. It's F-L-I-N-T Rock Precision. And um, my number's on the website. Just hit contact us. If you guys see something on there, if you're an ex-military guy, give me a shout. If you're a you know public safety guy, give me a shout, and we'll hook you up with a discount, get you taken care of. But yeah, so about it. It's pretty simple. We're on Instagram. Uh, guys, look, I'm not a huge social media guy, and I'm running an e-commerce company. I don't understand why I would do something <laughs> so silly, but uh, I, I'm trying to figure out Instagram. I'm trying to figure out all that stuff, so bear with me, but we do have an Instagram page. So you guys can go check us out there, too, and uh, hopefully it'll grow and get better as time goes. That's awesome, man. I love it. Yeah, sweet. You guys going to come up with any more videos for your YouTube page? What are you thinking there? Yeah, no, we are, actually. So that's the big thing, growing these online e-commerce companies. We're going to do a lot. We've actually done a lot of reviews, pictures, and some videos, but we're waiting to post it uh, when the new website goes up. Mm -hmm. So we'll actually do quite a few gear reviews, things of that nature. You know, things like that. So I would say, you know, if you guys are interested in some of the things online, check out some of our gear reviews. We're going to be doing some, even though we don't sell it, I always had trouble finding Sitka gear reviews. There's more getting online every day, but back when I was running Sitka, you know, like it was ages ago, I'm sure this guy's running away before me, but, you know, eight, nine years ago when I was buying Sitka gear, I should have gone on YouTube to Google, like, Okay, what's the Oreo pants like before I go spend 600 bucks on a pair of bibs, right? Yep. Um, I couldn't find anything. So I was just winging it and it was frustrating. So I think I'm going to definitely do some Sitka stuff just out of, you know, courtesy of that from back in the day. And, uh, then we're going to do some suppressor reviews. We're going to do some optic reviews. Let's see. We're going to do some trigger reviews. I think everything, some thermal reviews. So. Yeah, keep your eyes open on YouTube. We'll do, we're just going to do a bunch of reviews and then we'll actually have those reviews posted on the item on our website. So like if you're looking at that specific item, you can click on our review of the item. So it's kind of cool. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. man. Thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a good episode, man. A little something a little different, but you know, it always comes back to that deer hunting talk, you know, it always does. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, a huge thanks again for Shane Myers for coming on the podcast and, and talking to us for as long as he did. That was actually a really awesome episode. It's kind of different, not something that we typically talk about. It's mostly a deer hunting podcast, but, you know, every once in a while, diversity is, is absolutely key. You never know. But make sure you guys head over and check out his Instagram at Flint Rock Precision. Go over and check out their website, flintrockprecision.com. Give them a follow. Find out if there's anything on his website that you're interested in. Even if you don't purchase anything from him, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to go on and give you any tips or pointers or anything from getting a suppressor to any number of things. I'm going to keep this a little bit shorter today because Charles isn't here with me. Bummer. <laughs> but if you guys could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, that would be greatly appreciated. It really helps us out. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Go Wild, Twitter, at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. And uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for tuning in. The distraction's real. Walk the dogs, school drop-off, meetings from 10 to 3, take kids to soccer, then no time left for a jog. 
when everyone else is relying on you. It's easy to put your needs last. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist online, so you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com.